Hello and welcome to Sammy's Midnight Hour. Tonight we're going to bring you a story about two people that uh, went through six states. Um, serial slash spree killers, I guess you could call them. Um, it was a man and a woman team. Uh, Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. Coleman was born in 50, or 1955 in Waukegan, Illinois, the third of five siblings. His mother, a prostitute who held three jobs, threw him in a garbage can when he was an infant. But he was retrieved by his grandmother, who lived in the same house as her daughter. According to Robert Evans, a minister who knew him from birth, Alton was raised in a bad environment, marked by rejection, drugs, uh, prostitution, and sexual abuse. He was reportedly involved in group sex, bestiality with both his mother and grandmother, the latter of whom also made him kill and dismember animals as part of a voodoo practice. Among his peers, he was uh, usually teased and called pissy because he regularly wet his pants. He turned to delinquency early in, in his life, joined a local street gang, and eventually dropped out of school in ninth grade. Coleman never held more than an occasional job. On December 27, 1973, at 18, Coleman committed his first known sexual offense. He, along with an accomplice, abducted a 54-year-old woman at gunpoint, raped her, and stole her money and car. Through plea and negotiations, Coleman was only convicted of armed robbery and spent time at Joliet Penitentiary. Paroled out in late 1976, he was again put on trial for raping a 17-year-old girl, but acquitted when he managed to convince the jury that the act was consensual. While in pretrial detention at Lake County Jail, he was charged with sexually assaulting three fellow male prisoners, but was only convicted of battery. In 1980, he was again acquitted on charges of raping a 22-year-old woman, a member of the U.S. Navy. In 1981, he was involved in the, in the sexual assault of an underage girl and may have himself raped a 14-year-old friend of, a, of the latter. Anyway, the case against him was dismissed for lack of probable cause. In 1982, he was a suspect in the rape murder of a 15-year-old girl. In July 1983, he was charged with twice molesting his own 8-year-old niece. Again, the case was dismissed, this time because of insufficient evidence. On February 28, 1984, in North Chicago, Coleman raped at night point, knife point a 14, 14-year-old uh, girl whose mother had approached, he had approached two days earlier. He was arrested for, for this crime and arraigned on May 30th. Shortly before embarking on a crime spree with his girlfriend, Deborah Brown, on May 29th, going by the name, or going by the alias Robert Knight, he had befriended a woman in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Later, he would, ab he would abduct her, her nine-year-old daughter. The latter was possibly raped and strangled by him in an abandoned building in Waukegan during the early morning hours of the day of his actual court appearance, May 30th. On May 31st, Coleman befriended one Robert Carpenter, spent the night at his home, and on June 1st, borrowed his car. He never returned. Um, the nine-year-old girl's badly decomposed body was found on June 19, 1984, one day after the beginning of the Coleman of the Coleman Brown spree. Now let's talk about Deborah Brown. Uh, Brown was born in 1962 in Waukegan, one of 11 siblings. As um, opposed to Coleman, she was from a stable background, had no prior criminal record, and when she first met 
Coleman in 1983 was engaged to a, a, a totally different man. Eventually, she decided to leave that boyfriend and family and move in with Coleman and provide home, home health care to Coleman's grandmother that was uh, almost legally blind. Now, in 1984, the crime spree began in Indiana and Michigan. As soon as FBI agents investigating the kidnapping of the young um, nine-year-old realized Coleman had crossed state lines with this little girl. A federal warrant for kidnapping was issued out on him. Another one, this time for murder, was issued after the discovery of this, this, young, this young child's body. Coleman, on his part, went into hiding shortly after appearing in court and for the, um, the rape and moved to Indiana along with Brown. On June 18th, in Gary, Indiana, the couple approached a seven-year-old girl and a nine-year-old girl as they were running an errand with a ruse um, to them that they had purchased clothes for them to, to have. And they, they told them that they had to go into a wooded area, a secluded wooded area, and they tied them up. And... The young girl started to cry. Uh, she was brutally stomped by Coleman, carried away and left for dead. The other little girl was then forced to perform oral sex on both or Coleman and Brown and raped. When the two heard the, the one girl moaning from the woods, they went um, to her and strangled her with a belt. They attempted to do the same thing to the other little girl, but she miraculously survived and was found um, by a passerby. On June 19th, Coleman and Brown, posing as a couple, Phil and Pam from Boston, befriended a lady that evening, we'll call her Williams, was reported missing, last seen uh, leaving her church to pick up um, her new friends. On June 26th, her car was found in Detroit, Michigan, containing Coleman's fingerprints and a fake ID belonging to Brown. The badly decomposed body of Williams was eventually found on July 11th inside an abandoned building near the place where the car was found. She had been strangled. While it cannot be determined whether she had been sexually assaulted or not. Um, on July, or, sorry, on June the 24th, the duo kidnapped at Knife Point a 28-year-old woman in front of her home and demanded to be driven to Ohio. The hostage um, intentionally crashed her car into a parked truck and ran away. Four days later, on June the 28th, Coleman and Brown invaded the residence of a married couple, a 62-year-old and a 59-year-old married couple, husband and wife, in Dearborn Heights. The Joneses were badly beaten, robbed, and their car was stolen. On July the 2nd, they entered the Detroit home of 55-year-old um, woman, the companion of the woman they had befriended earlier another 55-year-old woman. Both of them were tied up, gagged, and beaten with a wrench. 
the one woman's car was stolen by the pair who moved to Ohio. Then once in Ohio on July the 5th in Toledo, they met and were invited to the home of a reverend. Through the latter, the pair learned the address, a single uh, mother who had come visiting him, a 38-year-old, we'll just call her Virginia. On July 6th, Coleman and Brown went to the house where Virginia lived with her five children, including her older daughter, a 10-year-old, and had dinner with them. During the night on or early morning of July the 7th, the two forced Virginia, or Virginia and her daughter in the basement, beat and strangled them, then placed their bodies inside a crawl space. Again, it could not be determined whether Virginia was uh, sexually assaulted or not, but the little girl surely was, as she was found bleeding from her private parts. The house was also robbed of clothing and jewelry after the, 11, after the July 11 discovery of, of the woman's body back in Detroit. Coleman was placed 11th, a very rare occurrence on the FBI's most wanted list where they normally have the 10 most wanted. Um, on certain occasions, they'll put an 11. That means you've done something really, really bad. The very same day of the Temple murders, the couple entered the home of um, a couple of a married couple, 77 and a 73 year old, uh, 77 year old man, 73 year old woman, bound them, gagged them with paper tissues, then stole some money in a car. On July the 12th in Cincinnati, a 14 year old was reported missing by her parents. She was last seen um, the days before in the company of an African-American male and woman. The male was later identified by witnesses as Coleman. On July the 19th, the badly decomposed body of this individual was discovered in a vacant apartment building. She had been strangled while the state of the body once again did not make it possible to ascertain whether the victim was raped or not. Forensic evidence, along with a bracelet belonging to one of the latter victims, pointed to Coleman and Brown. On July the 13th, the latters entered the house of another married couple, 45-year-old male, 44-year-old uh, uh, female, using um, the uh, pretense that they were going to purchase a, a camper that they had for sale, that the couple had for sale. When the couple's 19-year-old daughter uh, came home that afternoon, she found the house ransacked and her parents were bound, gagged, and badly beaten in the basement. Now, her mother had died from multiple blunt force injuries inflicted with a crowbar and pliers, while her father was semi-conscious and was later able to identify the assailant. On into Kentucky on July 16th, Coleman and Brown and an accomplice named Thomas Harris abducted a 33-year-old male from Lexington, Kentucky in a motel parking lot. Then the three placed a phone call to the, to the man's wife, demanding ransom. They never showed up to pick up the money at the agreed location. Uh, the husband was eventually found still alive in the trunk of his own car, which, was, uh, which had been abandoned in Dayton, Ohio, just as the uh, FBI profiler, profilers had expected. The couple was now going backwards to their comfort zone. In Dayton on July 17th, Coleman and Brown visited uh, the reverend that they befriended before and his wife, a couple who had hosted them while they were acting in Toledo. Um, when the reverend told them uh, they he knew who they really were, a scuffle ensued and uh, the, the reverend was pistol whipped. The couple was then tied up and 
and an unsuccessful attempt was made to strangle uh, the wife. Before leaving with some money and their car, Coleman made one last attempt to kill the wife by shooting her with his gun, but it malfunctioned. Clothing belonging to uh, another, one of the other victims was found on the scene. On July 19th, the lifeless body of, let's just call him Eugene, was found in a ditch outside Indianapolis. He had been shot and stabbed repeatedly. His car was later found parked near the location where Coleman and Brown were arrested. On July the 20th, Coleman and Brown were finally arrested in Mason Park, Eviston, Illinois, following a tip-off by a passing motorist who had recognized Coleman from his neighborhood in Waukegan. When approached by police officers, they surrendered without incident and provided two aliases. A loaded revolver was found in Brown's bag while Coleman had a steak knife hidden in one of his boots. They were eventually identified through their fingerprints. Uh, Coleman was tried in Ohio, Indiana, and Illinois and was sentenced to death as well as several years of imprisonment. Four times, one for the murder of um, a woman in 1985, uh, one for another woman in 19, 1985, and one for a young girl in 1986, and one for kidnap and murder of the, of the girl from uh, Wisconsin. During the course of his Ohio and Illinois trial, Coleman acted as his own lawyer and got to the point of calling Brown, who was separately, separately tried, as a rebuttal witness. He personally cross-examined her in an attempt to make it look like she had, in fact, murdered uh, the, the woman, not him. Needless to say, that, that strategy did not work. On her own part, Brown received two death sentences in Ohio and in Indiana for her role in the murders in 1989, an Ohio death sentence was commuted to life imprisonment by the governor, Richard Celeste, uh, a known death penalty opponent. Due to her diagnosed mental retardation in 1991, her Indiana sentence was similarly commuted to 60 years, which combined with the other sentences she received uh, makes it 140 years of imprisonment. Both were also sentenced to 20 years for the interstate abduction of the professor that was found in the trunk of the vehicle. Coleman was executed by lethal injection on April 22, 2002 at the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility in Lucasville. His last words were Psalm 23. Brown is currently incarcerated at a Dayton Correctional Institution. She expressed remorse for um, her and his crimes and apologized to the victims of the family in a video shown in 2005. As a serial rapist, Coleman would either lure, approach his victims with a ruse, um, befriending the mothers of underage victims or directly employ brute force. During the course of his crime spree with Brown, he would uh, mainly befriend Good Samaritans and elderly couples, tie them up, gag them, and beat them, either fatally or non-fatally with incidental blunt instruments. Most of the victims were attacked out of necessity as a means to obtain money, goods, and or car they would use to move from state to state. Usually when the victim was raped, the pair employed ligature strangulation to dispose of her. On at least two instances, the duo employed a gun. In their very last murder, they also stabbed their victim. 
So let's talk about the profile from the FBI. Uh, John, John Douglas Investigation Support Unit was called in during the Coleman Brown manhunt and asked as a fugitive assessment. Um, it seems pretty clear that Coleman was the dominant personality of the duo and that he was um, prompted to embark on an interstate rampage when stress caused by his court appearances became unbearable to him. From his background, his rap sheet, Douglas was able to um, produce that what motivated him, meaning Coleman, were his fantasies of sexual dominating and controlling other people because like many other serial rapists, this is what made him feel good and satisfied him in his life. A satisfaction he certainly didn't get from personal accomplishments or relationships. The fact that most of his violence was directed against other spoke of exponentially sexual nature of his crimes rather than some general rage against society, which was also there and shown up in a latter acts while the beating of some of his victims. Since all he ever knew was a life of lawlessness from an early age, Coleman was able to assimilate his sexual crimes into a way of providing himself to providing to himself like if it were his own job that's why he robbed and carjacked his vic victims in addition to raping and beating and killing them also profilers correctly um, predicted Coleman couldn't stay away too long from someplace he found familiar making his way back to of course Dayton Ohio once he was out of Waukegan or the Chicago area, he was out of his element. He was not in that safe area. In fact, they even predicted the highway he eventually would take back home. For what concerned Brown, whom Douglas personally interviewed in prison, he found her to be very passive, um, a compliment person who would be defined by whoever was influencing her. Her relationship with Coleman was almost one of a slave to a master. One of the, on the other hand, she never displayed any evidence of conscience. And if again put under the influence of someone like Coleman Douglas, the profile, the profiler, the FBI profiler, thought that she would even resume where she left off. In prison, Coleman was diagnosed with mixed personality disorder, displaying antisocial, narcissistic, and obsessive features, with additional diagnoses including epileptic spasms, uh, psychosis, and borderline personality disorder. Brown was, no, was uh, diagnosed as a borderline intellectually disabled with dependent personality disorder. Let's break this down for them, um, Sam. Let's, let's go through these murders. If we can go through them, like, can we start, like, at 1960? Yeah. Where it looks like Coleman stole one of his mother's client's watches. I mean, yes, she was back, a prostitute, yeah. I mean, it goes that back that far. Um, yeah, that's, you want to start with that? Yeah, I mean, it goes, I mean, that just simply goes back to, I mean, he was just simply a child. I mean, he wasn't very old. Mm -hmm. um, stole one of his mother's uh, client's watch. 
Um, then it kind of jumps up to uh, April the 28th, 1972. It was a victimist burglary. I mean, you can see where, you know, things are kind of progressing. It's getting more and more bold, yeah, more and more we, daring. As we read, I think the, they will definitely see that. Uh, May 29th, a disorderly conduct. Uh, December the 7th, he uh, had uh, abducted, robbed, and raped a 54-year-old woman who, who survived, luckily. Um, that was in 1976. Uh, September the 13th, um, there was another woman, 17. She was raped only. Um, and September the 19th, uh, he was... In Lake County Jail, three unnamed male prisoners aged 19 and 18 all raped. Now, July the 11th of 1980, he raped a 22-year-old female as well. In 1981, in September, um, he, I don't think it was proven, it's a possible rape of a 14-year-old girl. In 1982, an unnamed 15-year-old girl was possibly, was raped at knife point and strangled. In 1983, June and July, um, this is when he uh, possibly, I'm saying possibly because it wasn't uh, proven, uh, possibly molested his eight-year-old niece. In 1984, on February, um, he raped a 14-year-old girl. And May the 29th, now this is still 1984, uh, he abducted... Um, a nine-year-old girl who uh, they will later find her tied up uh, and raped possibly and strangled and her body was found abandoned in a bathroom uh, around three weeks later and then that's when the the crimes committed was uh, started with Coleman and Brown mutually uh, again in 1984 June 18th in Gary Indiana a seven-year-old girl um, he had abducted the seven and a nine-year-old girl where he, the ones he took out into the woods. Uh, the seven-year-old girl he tied up, stomped, and strangled with a belt. The nine-year-old girl, which survived, was tied up, raped by both, and almost strangled with a belt. On June 19th in Detroit, Michigan, um, a 27-year-old female was possibly raped by Coleman, strangled with a ligature, and car was stolen. Uh, June 24th, an unnamed 28-year-old woman abducted at knife point. She escaped. Her car was stolen. Uh, June 28th, Dearborn Heights, Michigan. Um, a couple survived. Both were badly beaten, robbed, and their car was stolen. All right. Uh, July the 2nd in Detroit, Michigan, um, there was a husband and wife, both 55 years old. They were threatened by a knife, knocked unconscious, tied up, gagged, and beaten uh, with a wrench. They were, um, and then the, the husband's um, car was also stolen. July the 6th and 7th, the 30-year-old um, female was uh, possibly raped again. Their bodies were too decomposed to know. Um, beaten and strangled. This is where um, this individual, the 30-year-old individual, she had lots of children. And Coleman and Brown beat and strangled and killed her and her 10-year-old daughter, put them in a, um, a, like a crawl space of some sort and left them in there with the other children alive. And that, I, I just, I, that gave me shivers. Um, again, uh, another husband and wife uh, were both, they both, now these both survived. 
they were bound and gagged and robbed and their car stolen. Um, in Ju on July the 11th, now this is in Cincinnati, there was a 15-year-old female um, possibly raped by Coleman and strangled. July the 13th in Cincinnati, um, another husband and wife, um, husband 45, uh, wife 44 years old, they were both um, bound, gagged, and beaten with a blunt instrument, and of course the house was robbed. The, the wife did not survive, and the husband did, uh, suffering brain injury as a result to the beating. July the 16th, now this is in Lexington, Kentucky, and this is the professor that survived, but was abducted and held hostage in the trunk of his own car. And then July the 17th, now this is in Dayton, Ohio. Guys, this is way, way too close to home. Um, this was another husband and wife, 79-year-old Reverend. You've heard uh, Sam talk about this earlier. And a 76-year-old, uh, his wife. They, the husband was pistol whipped and tied up. And uh, the wife, the 76-year-old wife, was almost strangled and was almost shot where, again, the gun malfunctioned. Um, and July the 19th, and this is their final uh, murder, uh, there was a 79-year-old man shot and stabbed repeatedly. His car was stolen again. What a pair. Yeah, just wow. I... Whew. I need a moment, you know. You when you hear yeah. all that, don't you just need a moment? Um, yeah, to collect collect your thoughts and because it's hard to it's hard to wrap your mind around something like this, especially with the children. I mean, it's bad enough for it's bad enough for the the adults and for the older people, but mm -hmm. the children's what really makes me. I don't know, just makes you pay a little bit more attention. I had never heard of this story, and I and and I I follow a lot of local crime and, and true crime around the area, but. I realize it's in Dayton, but um, I had never heard of this story. And when you told me the, the 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 story, I was like, "What?" And when I read the story and started investigating this, there were some key points that I, I just I marked. I just like I wanted to make sure. For one, where are these people today? So we want to just tell you that Coleman was executed. Yes, by was, lethal injection. He was executed. And Brown is still today at Dayton Correctional Institution. So she is still in, in prison. Yeah. She has to be in her 70s? How Possibly. Old, how old is she? Um, Hold on a minute. Let me go back. No, she was born in 62. She was born right. in 62. So that means she's 60. Right. She will turn 60. She, I don't know when her birthday is. Right. But she will per she will turn sixty years old today. Yep. Or well, the, you well know, this year. Or this year, yeah, she will turn sixty. And I, I find it compelling that the FBI profiler said, you know, if you let her out today, she would find another Coleman, mm -hmm. and she would pick up right where she right where off. she left off. I mean, amazing. How frightening. Amazing. How very frightening. frightening. How frightening. There was another part that I I just kind of pinned a little bit. I um. Just it caught me off guard when you when we went through it, and I think it was just my the malfunction of the, of the gun with mm -hmm. the reverend. I mean, do you think that was that was God led? I think you know? that may have been a God thing. That could have been a God. That, I, you know? I, I, I think mean, it could people, have been. 
these people helped them. Yeah. They, they did. They took them to church, if I'm they not They took mistaken, them in. Right? Took them in and helped them out. Yeah. This yeah. reverend. Um, and they did, you know, they did beat them. And they they did try to kill the yeah. wife. Well, they tried Twice. To kill the, yeah. And uh, boy, something something was protecting her. Yeah. Definitely. Something was definitely watching over her that night. Yeah, I, I so agree. I so agree. Um, it's amazing that two people like this could even, I mean, it just blows my mind that there that there you know there would be two people out there like that. I remember this story. I remember this story when I was growing up, I when didn't. I was a child. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I remember hearing about this from my parents. Um, I can remember my mom telling me, "Well, now you're not going outside, you know, to play, or if you do, you're going to stay close to the house." And then you know they would tell me they started talking about these two, and uh, I mean even even my brother started getting in on the action and started teasing me about the whole thing. You know, telling me you better watch out and you better be nice because Alton Coleman's coming after you. And you know, I mean, I, I was I was really scared. I mean, you know, at one point. Well, you were little. Yeah, I mean, I was what seven years old yeah, around that time. Been, yeah, you had to been seven. So I mean, you know, I mean that that frightened me. I mean, hell, I couldn't even sleep. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, just bad bad people. I mean, he had a pretty bad upbringing. I mean, with being thrown first of all thrown away in a trash can, mm-hmm. um, and then being I mean part of a. I mean, imagine, you know what I mean? Just with your mom and your grandma, they get you, they, they have you in like these, in these sexual activities and stuff like that and dismembering animals for voodoo practices. Yeah. It talks about group sex and bestiality. With this grandma and mom. I mean, that, that right there blew my mind. Now, you know, after saying that, nothing, that, that doesn't excuse anything that him Mm. and Brown did. No. I mean, not a little bit. I wonder how many of our listeners know this story. Um, because like I said, I, mm-hmm. I didn't, and I, I, I pride myself on, on knowing a lot about our history, right. especially in around our area. And I did not know, I did not know of these two. I've, I've never heard this story. listened to a few documentaries and even the people talking about them said, oh, well, I had no idea about them until we just happened to be, you know, reading about them or somebody brought it to my attention. Um, so yeah, a lot of people has, but I want, you know, how many people out there, you know, how many of you guys have actually heard of Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. So Okay, well, I guess we'll wrap it up for tonight. Yeah, we got another one in the books. Yeah, we got a we got another a really one. exciting one next week. Yeah, next week should um, be good. Next week is going to be a hometown murder. Yes. In Greenville. In yes. Greenville. It's going to be a place in the murder. 60s. Yes. And we're going to have a we're going to have two special um, I'm going to interview two individuals that one that knew the victim and the other one just was in the area and knew about the story. So I'm going to interview both of them. Um, so that should be interesting. Should be very interesting. Yeah, should, be very interesting. should be very interesting. Yeah, I think it should be very interesting. Yeah. So? Yeah, thank them. I, I'm right. so thankful for you guys listening. Yeah. Um, again, uh, just so thankful that you, you're listening. And, and keep listening, please. Yeah, definitely. Keep definitely. giving us your feedback. Yeah, um, we love feedback. Um, tell us what stories that you'd like to hear about. You know, right. stories that you'd like us to investigate. We had a few come through, um, some stories that I had forgotten about that were really right. old, yeah, and in some older our stories. Area. But even even stories that are far away, we've got some other things kind of cooking on the back burner too. So, so. yeah, definitely. Well, for me, uh, Sam and Tish, we'll see you again next time on Sammy's Midnight Hour. <laughs>